Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Live with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Live with Dr. Wendy. I'm Dr. Wendy Patrick. Find me at wendypatrickphd.com. My co-host is Larry Dersham. He's an estate planning attorney, constitutional law expert, and a hearing officer for the County of San Diego. It is time for Substance Seasoned with Salt. Yes, we're going to bring you the headlines, but we also promise to give you plenty of silver lining this evening, as we do every single week. Topping the news this week continues to be the George Floyd demonstrations, protests, and riots. Why do we break it down that way? Because there are three different activities occurring throughout the country. The first is peaceful. The the peaceful demonstrations have been heartwarming in so many cities across the nation. We've been watching them and really taking courage from the tender moments that we've seen where you see police officers bonding with protesters, you see tears, you see hugging, you see the kinds of shared humanity that make this nation great. Sadly, we don't see enough of that, and that's probably because there are so many other things to focus on. But if you follow a lot of this on Twitter, like I do, you really get to see a lot of the tender moments, the silver lining to a lot of what's been going on for the last week. Now, one of the other questions we get asked all the time is what's going to happen to the looters, the arsonists, those that are not interested in peacefully protesting? Why do we just see them getting away with murder? Well, let me tell you what you don't see. You don't see the police officers making the over 10,000 arrests, I think, to date that they've been able to do. And think about it. You have scores of people that are committing crimes on national television. At the time, police are allocating resources to protect many others that are in danger. But don't you think they have that footage? Not to mention they've got cameras in the air, cameras on the ground, cameras in the stores, out of the stores, cell phone video footage. They have a lot to work with and they have. What you've seen in this past week is police reports and police chiefs across the nation coming out and giving press conferences and saying, guess what, looters and arsonists, we see you, we're coming for you. And they have, there've been a lot of arrests that have been made. So rest assured, nobody is getting away with it. But one of the things that has been, talk about silver lining, that has been very heartwarming, even in this arena, when you're looking at people sweeping up broken glass and thinking about broken hearts, is we have seen that after the crowds of vandals with baseball bats come even bigger mobs of generous citizens with brooms and buckets ready to help clean up, donating time, talent, and money to help businesses rebuild. I mean, think about this. Some of these businesses were just about ready to get off the ground. They had been given the green light by governors all across the nation. Finally, they had freshly stocked shelves the freshly sweeped floors, they had those hopscotch looking dots and dashes that where people have to socially distance, and then this. And I mean, Larry, who actually is it that is responsible for many of those businesses not being in shape to open up now? I think uh, probably the largest uh, 
problematic group is Antifa. Some people pronounce it Antifa. I prefer Antifa. And on Sunday, May 31st, President Trump, in a tweet, designated Antifa as a terrorist organization. And then on that same day, Wendy, A.G. William Barr issued a DOJ press release saying Antifa and other similar groups will be treated like domestic terrorists. And I think that's important uh, for for a number of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons would be when they're treated as such, they can uh, they can track the money trail, and they can find out okay who is funding this group. Uh, is is very important, and you'll you'll find out that there are a number of, of funders of this, and because they're designated as a domestic terrorist group, hopefully that money will dry up, which is huge uh, that that happens. Another thing they can do too is, as if they're designated as uh, domestic terrorists, they can follow these people across state lines. Antifa has a way of actually uh, going across state lines uh, to organize riots and mischief, and then they will get in their cars or uh, buses or whatever, and go back to the uh, to the state that they came from. And it's very hard for the law enforcement in that particular state where the damage was done to follow up. But now they will be able to do so. So that's a, a huge win. Uh, yeah. You, you know, Larry, it's interesting that you, you mentioned these organized groups because, you know, we follow on Twitter. There are so many people that are getting together online talking about let's hit this mall, let's hit that mall, let's loot, let's pillage. And it doesn't really seem that all of them are even affiliated with any kind of a group, much less affiliated with any kind of peaceful protest. And, you know, that really hijacks the the notion that the rest of us are really trying to get out there, that we, we're all concerned about cases like George Floyd. I mean, one of the things that it says I teach on my website is sensitivity training. Everybody's interested sure. in learning how we can learn more from each other and how we can heal collectively. But then you're right, you get these spinoff groups that have no interest in mourning with the lives lost or in being part of the solution instead of part of the problem. And I just wonder, because we see a lot of flyers that are going around. Thankfully, there are good citizens that take photos and put them on the internet so we know. And many of them don't even reference any organized groups. Is it impossible to prove that these people that are looting South Coast Plaza or other malls just because they can are actually affiliated with any larger group, or are they just capitalizing and exploiting an opportunity? Well, uh, Laura Logan, who does a lot of great research, she's probably from England. I don't think she was, uh, uh, she's an American, but she appears a lot on Fox News and uh, Fox Nation. She does research all around the world, and she found that Antifa has 10 action points. And you would look at, a revolutionary abolitionist movement, the 10 points of action. Check this out, Wendy. Liberation, this is from their uh, action points. Number one, liberation will be won by any means necessary. Two, we will destroy the state, police, military, corporations, and all those who run the American plantation. Three, we will live with dignity in a world without prisons Uh, Systems of punishment will be abolished. There will be no law enforcement, no money to protect. Revolutionary justice will be determined by those who are oppressed. 
There will be no government. No person or group will have power over another. Communities will make decisions about how they live and will make sure that everyone has what they need to live a dignified life. Now, that sounds pretty good, that one, that point there. That was number eight. Alongside international comrades, we will destroy all borders. Does that sound familiar? For the free movement of people everywhere. Number 10, this is the last point. Militant networks will defend our revolutionary communities. Liberation begins where America dies. Wow. I'll tell you what, that some, there's some scary uh, rhetoric, let's say, out there. Um, but, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about, we've talked about breaking and entering. Let's transition and pivot to breaking curfew. So if we had more time, I would love our listeners to call in and tell us, do you think curfews work? I'll bet we could light up the board with that question if we had more time. Um, but just to, to sort of round out this, uh, this segment, you know, the, the fact that people are being arrested for breaking curfew shows you what a valuable tool, potential asset that can be. In fact, and I know many of our listeners may have followed this, even Mayor D- Bill de Blasio's daughter was arrested last right. weekend. Right. That just goes to show you, you know, th- there are so many good cops out there that are just doing their jobs. And everybody really knows that logically, obviously. I mean, most most of any profession, they're good people that are just as devastated as the rest of us. That's probably why we have as many heartwarming moments as we do with so many members of the police force bonding, crying with protesters, feeling the same pain. And, you know, you hear all these police officers saying underneath this uniform, I'm just like you. And that has changed the hearts and minds of so many people that have been out there protesting. And you know, it's their stories. It's many of the protester stories. They are coming out, they're speaking to the news saying, you know, my beliefs have come full circle after I actually had the opportunity to meet law enforcement. Many of them are saying, I never had an experience with law enforcement before. I just knew what I'd heard, what my kids have told me, the stereotypes. These protests, ironically, have been the first chance I have had to meet the good guys on the police force, the good guys that wear the badge, the ones that we hope come when we call and we get into trouble or we need them. So it's just, I mean, there is that sort of a heartwarming experience, but uh, I know you have some views on curfew too, Larry. Well, I was just, uh, the number of cities that have uh, had curfews uh, imposed on them. I mean, we're just coming out of this lockdown of the uh, COVID-19 crisis. (laughs) Some of the cities, Minneapolis, Chicago, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Denver, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Cleveland, Columbus, Portland, Miami. Wow, that's a big list. But how about this? El Cajon, Santee, La Mesa. Are there any others that I, those are the ones I know they've had curfews. Uh, There may be some others, but I I know those three cities within San Diego County uh, were under curfew. You know, and, and the thing with curfews is, is, you know, it's a great idea, but who, who obeys curfews? Law abiding citizens, not looters, not arsonists. It's the same. I guess I could have said who obeys laws, (laughs) law abiding citizens. By definition, Criminals don't obey laws. And by definition, although protesters are not criminals, we're not worried about peaceful protesters. Peaceful protesters are worried about looters and rioters. So it's one of those problems that I just hope to God we can get a handle on um, as time goes on. So uh, we hope you stick with us after the break. We're going to have more live with Dr. Wendy. Uh, Good news you can use. And this is going to be more headlines with the silver lining. Stay with us. We'll be back in a flash.
news cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to Headline Highlights live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more live with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome back to Live with Dr. Wendy. Let's shift gears from protests to polls. That's right. We have an election coming up in November. Remember, (laughs) many of us have been distracted. We've been sidelined. We've been justifiably concerned with other things. And we're reminded infrequently because there are so many other things on the news nowadays that we have a presidential election coming up in November. Now, just when we thought that 2020 could not get more complicated. Remember, we're not gonna be totally pessimistic. Let's just say it's it's challenging and it's complicated so far. There are dramatic changes being made in the way we will be permitted to vote. Now that is fairly significant on the radar of many people that are finally able to get some money again, they're able to go back to work or they have a decent unemployment income stream coming in Some of those people aren't going back to work, and boy, that's a story for a whole other segment. But there are changes made in California that are problematic for a lot of people that many people are hoping will actually not take place or will be changed as we get closer to November. And what changes do we actually see down the pike? Right. Uh, Have you heard about this, Wendy? On May 8th, 2020, Governor Gavin Newsom issued executive order N-64-20, which, among other things, orders the November 3rd, 2020 general election to be conducted as an all-male ballot election. So what are some... Now that's male, M-A-I-L. M-A-I-L, you got (laughs) it, you got it. Now, what was interesting, President Trump, he he issued a a statement saying, if if you do something like that, I am going to withhold federal funding because it's you're doing this illegally and it will subject the whole election to the possibility of fraud. And I don't know how that's turning out, but it's kind of a a back and forth between the federal government and the state governments. But what are some of the issues that may come up if we can only vote by mail? Well, to answer that question, I would like to introduce you to today's guest, Ruth Wise, co-founder of Election Integrity Project California. Ruth is also a vice president and director and a legislative oversight coordinator of the Southern region. So, Ruth, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, tell me a little bit about your organization, Ruth, and about you, please. You bet. Well, I'm a uh, retired uh, educator, uh, high school for 34 years, and I work together with a large group of uh, retired and still active professionals of all stripes and sizes and political persuasions who have one thing in common, and that is we believe that elections should be fair and honest and that we have proven to ourselves that currently in California that's not necessarily the case. So we are a nonpartisan, a nonprofit 501c3 public benefit organization that began in uh, December of 2010 and then have been working ever since to attempt to turn this big ship of California around to, to where we have more election integrity. That's great. Now, you were a retired school teacher, right? Ruth, you taught English right. and Spanish. And what got I you did. into this area? 
Well, my father was a U.S. history teacher and very involved in politics, and that you know surrounded my life all the time. And and then when I was able to attend a a meeting that was ha- held very, very soon after this uh, corporation uh, was actually founded. Uh, I was really entranced by what their mission was and what needed to happen. And I had recently retired, so I just uh, volunteered, and I've been with them ever since. That's great. Now, I, I found this quote by you. It's in an article, and I love this. It says that you believe voting in every election is the greatest privilege we have as American citizens. And the single most important act that we will ever do for ourselves and our posterity. But if our election process is subverted by error, apathy, carelessness, and fraud, then we are robbed of the significance and purpose of the great privilege of voting. And that leads directly to the demise of our republic. That's amazing. That's a great statement, Ruth. And uh, so what are you what are you seeing? I know you've been involved with this for several years. Well, maybe let's go to this. Are you concerned about the governor's issuance of the uh, all mail in ballot? Well, um, we are very concerned, but I want to make sure that we're all clear on this. this that, that does mean, not mean that this is an all mail ballot election. What he ordered and what legislation is now being passed to back up that order is that every person on the active voter rolls in the state of California will be mailed a vote by mail ballot. That does not obligate you to use that ballot. The uh, executive order also made it very clear, as does the law that's that's going to be passed soon, that uh, in-person opportunities must be made available. There will not be as many as usual. They won't be all of the little precincts that we're used to going to, but it's shaking out to look as if there will be about one po- one in-person polling place for every 10,000 uh, voters. Now, that's not a lot, but they're also talking about having them open three days or four days instead of just the one day. So, you know, Ruth, that, that concession, you have to use it. That concession is so important to our listeners because many people are under the misconception that a mail ballot means you must return it by mail. And there are plenty of people that love participating in the political process. They look forward to election day. They want to actually go to their polling place, stand in line even, get their I voted sticker. I know you get one of those if you vote by mail too, but don't tell anybody. They love the fact that you could actually be a part of the political process. And I mean, talk about timing. So it'll be at a time where we've moved from N95 to N64, i.e. the executive order. (laughs) We've moved from masks to ballots and everybody is going to be so excited to actually be able to leave their homes. We're talking November. I mean, according to Dr. Fauci, we're gonna have a vaccine in October. We're saying our prayers and crossing (laughs) our fingers. But isn't it a wonderful thing, Ruth, especially given the passion you bring to this movement, that even people that get that opportunity by mail are still going to get out there to the polls? Yeah, so we need to make sure that people understand that EIPCA has uh, been working for nine years and shouting as loud as we could from the mountaintops for nine years that voting by mail is the number one tool for fraud because they ha- the ma- ballots have to be touched by so many hands. Each one of those hands has the opportunity to either make a mistake, 
do something careless or do something uh, intended to uh, make that ballot what it shouldn't be or to get rid of it altogether. And so we just say, if you really value your vote and you have any other possibility, don't vote by mail. Regardless of how you turn it in, it's going to be manhandled to the point that it could be altered or or completely dismissed. So we urge everybody to go to the polls if you can. And if you feel comfortable and healthy enough to do that, uh, please take your ballot with you, turn it in and get a regular ballot. That's really the best way to ensure that your your vote is going to be counted the way you cast it. Yeah, you know, we hear so much on the on TV and on tw- especially on Twitter and especially from the president. We hear so much about voter fraud and, and how pervasive it is. And then the other side says, well, no, it's not really. It's actually a very small percentage. I mean, how do you, we know who to believe when there's so many different voices uh, in the mix about whether or not there's a risk? Obviously, there's a risk to anything in life. But what is that risk when it comes to voting by mail as opposed to in person? Well, you can say something a million times, but it doesn't make it more true. We have lots and lots of evidence well across, said. The nation, <laughs> across the nation of ballot fraud, registration fraud, flat out voter fraud, as well as, uh, you know, mismanagement and, and bad things. And, you know, if I had time, I could give you lots of stories. It's there. It's it's documented. There are websites where you can go, like Heritage Foundation keeps a record of verified and uh, proven in court uh, voter fraud issues. They don't even talk about the implications, only the ones that have actually been convicted. It's there. And the many, many, many millions of times that the detractors say, oh, no, it isn't, doesn't mean that that's not the case. And and people want to look the other way because they like convenience and they don't want to think about that maybe by doing something conveniently, they're actually winding up not really doing it. But that's the way it is when you're voting by mail. You know, Ruth, I uh, called the uh, Registrar of Voters here in San Diego County yesterday. I wanted to have updated information. And I asked her, a uh, very knowledgeable person, very kind person, I said, uh, do you allow voter harvesting? And uh, I think they might use a different term for that. But I said, hypothetically, if I were to go into an assisted living home, uh, and I'm not even related to anybody there, could I collect all of their ballots and then drop them off at the ROV, the Registrar of Voters? And she said, oh, yes, you could. And is that a concern, the voter harvesting, or are, is everybody good with that as far as integrity? Oh, my goodness. It, it is the worst thing imaginable, um, and, that, and that's one of the results of all these vote-by-mail ballots. Now it gives vote harvesters an opportunity to do all kinds of damage, um, and we're very concerned about that. Uh, it became legal in California in 2018, and but there are no restrictions. There's no uh, protection. There's there's no chain of custody for these ballots. So now it's just a big free for all. And this allows for voters to be coerced or paid or shamed or whatever by these vote harvesters to hand the ballot over to them. You should never hand your ballot over to someone unless this is someone in your immediate family or a real close friend that you trust to do with your ballot what you've asked them to do. But just to hand them to people that come to your door into your living facility and saying, we'll turn your ballots in for you is a total recipe for disaster. And that's the point of passing that law so that could happen. Fantastic. Ruth, thank you so much for all of this. You know, we're at the end of the show. Can you tell us where we can find more information about you? Give us the give us the uh, website. Absolutely. It is www.eip, that stands for Election Integrity Project, dash ca.com. 
You can volunteer with us. You can get more information about us by just leaving us a message. We would love to have people reach out and be part of our effort. Thank you so much, Ruth, for being on the show tonight. That is great information. And you know, as we end with a silver lining as well, we are so lucky to live in a country where we get to vote. It's a privilege to participate in the political process. So please make sure to engage. Remember, elections is an all hand on deck operation. We preserve the integrity and the independence of our election process when we participate. So it's just one of those things that, you know, it, we're, we're gonna be talking about it more and more, no doubt, as the election uh, approaches. Um, but there are just so many twists and turns that we've seen this year, and it really has fallen by the wayside, if you can believe that. I mean, who would have thought last year we would think that the, the uh, 2020 election would be taking a backseat? Um, but stay tuned, we'll be rest assured talking more about that. You have been listening to Live with Dr. Wendy. Enjoy your week, and we will see you back here next Saturday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Live with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. 